With Long Island local news on Monday, Indigenous Peoples Day, October 9th, 2023, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. The MTA wants to step into the ring and face off against New Jersey, which sued to stop the agency's congestion pricing plan that will charge drivers entering Manhattan's central business district. Lorena Mongelli reporting on Newsday.com that on Friday, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority requested to enter the lawsuit and join the federal government in a bid to defend its stake. The MTA claims in its motion, as it has all along, that the program will reduce traffic congestion, reduce admissions, and secure funding for the agency's transit infrastructure system. New Jersey filed the lawsuit against the government in July, alleging the Federal Highway Administration erroneously cleared a path forward for new tolling by finding the program would have no significant environmental impact. The initial complaint alleges the plan would cause environmental, financial, and human impacts to residents in New Jersey without any benefits. Court papers, however, the MTA states New Jersey's goal is either to halt the program or claim portions of the revenue for itself. The toll plan would charge vehicles up to $34.50 for driving below 60th Street in Manhattan and up to $23 for easy pass drivers. The plan could start as early as May of next year. New York Governor Kathy Hochul said has said the plan could slash traffic 15 to 20 percent and reduce crashes regarding New Jersey's filings against the federal government. A Hochul spokesperson stated Saturday this lawsuit is seeking to block one of the nation's most progressive climate actions. and We will not allow it to derail critical investments that the region deserves. In other news, Riverhead school officials on Thursday approved a leave of absence for Superintendent Augustine Tornator, although it gave no reason for the administrator's sudden departure during a tumultuous year for the East End School District. Michael O'Keefe reporting on Newsday.com that the Riverhead Central School District Board of Education appointed William Galati, the district's executive director of secondary education, grants and student outcomes as interim superintendent. Galati's tenure began Friday, according to a second resolution also approved Thursday. Tornator's leave of absence is through October 23rd, according to school documents. Another school official, Assistant Superintendent Lori Kerner, was reassigned this week pending an investigation, according to a statement provided Tuesday by BOE President Kamalyn Palmer. She's been working from home, he said. Tornator requested leave of absence, school officials said in a letter distributed on Thursday to the community and will use vacation and personal time during the weeks he won't be working. The Board of Education is scheduled to meet tomorrow evening at Riverhead High School and Tornator's abrupt departure and recent volatile events involving Riverhead schools and its students are likely to be topics. And finally, Riverhead Town's Anti-Bias Task Force will hold a meet-and-greet event to celebrate National Hispanic Heritage Month this coming Wednesday, October 11th. Quint Nigro in RiverheadLocal.com reports the event is scheduled for the Antigua Cafe at 309 East Main in Riverhead starting at 6 p.m. Anti-Bias Task Force Chair Mark McLaughlin said there will be complimentary hors d'oeuvres and entertainment. McLaughlin said Wednesday's festive occasion will be a good moment for people to learn more about us and take the opportunity to become acquainted with Riverhead Town's Anti-Bias Task Force members, celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month, and understand the task force's goals. Quote, we'd like to be a beacon of hope, he said. The Riverhead Town Anti-Bias Task Force event again is coming Wednesday, 6 p.m. at Antigua Cafe in Riverhead. Reading the uh, weather in Montauk in honor of Jeremy Dennis's uh, residency at the, Ang- uh, let's see, Andy Warhol um, Foundation. Is that right, Jeremy? Nature Conservancy. <laughs> Got with it with the Nature Conservancy. Looking like a mostly sunny Monday with a high near 62 degrees. Southwest wind, 10 to 15 miles per hour. Thank you so much for the clarification on that. Tonight, a 30% chance of showers. Partly cloudy otherwise with a low around 55 degrees. West wind, 8 to 13 miles per hour. Right now it's 58 degrees. Nice and cool. Nice and beautiful. Getting into the adventure uh, section of the set list 
We've got uh, Rob Ricardo, uh, Simon Flory, and Coldplay here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. News you can trust, music you love. I miss the tide and the scent of a saltwater breeze coming over me. But I have no doubt where I am right now is right where I'm supposed to be. This is the journey of the soul. It's the adventure of me. No matter what I'm told, I know that I am free to roam my own way, to flow in my own sea, to chase my own dreams on this adventure of me. To flow in my own sea, to 
Rob Ricardo leading us at uh, 10.16, so a little after 1 o'clock, 1.16 if you're listening to the replay. And it's time for our Monday meditation, uh, gratefully shared this morning by the one and only Jeremy Dennis, not only of Ma's House, but now doing a residency out on the end uh, through the Nature Conservancy. How has that been going? Oh, I'm uh, very excited about it. It's the um, Andy Warhol Visual Arts Program of uh, 2023. So it's myself and um, three other visual artists from Long Island who are going to spend a, a week there. So I'll be there November 5th to the 12th uh, working on an a ongoing project from 2016 called On This Site, Native Long Island. So it's just a very ambitious project spanning uh, Brooklyn to Montauk, just um, looking at our um, ancient history from 10,000 years ago all the way to the present. So that's definitely um, the main focus during that time. And they picked the right person for sure. Is that is that like an in- Indigenous Heritage Month? Oh, yeah. So Native American Heritage Month is all okay. of November since um, George Bush Sr. Um, made it so in the 1990s. Wow. I didn't realize that it was Bush Sr. that did that. Mm-hmm. So every uh, year, whole month designated, but there's also Indigenous People's Day today. Which is today. So, <laughs> there's a lot of different designations, like single days throughout the year, however, for different I really like I really like today's designation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that has been sort of transformative the last few years mm-hmm. as um, I think people catch up and kind of look past um, sort of like the... I don't I don't even want to call it whitewashing. I don't know what it is, but I was certainly not brought up to understand fully who Christopher Columbus was mm. as a person. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean he was I mean you got to you got to educate yourself if you don't know if you're like, "Oh, he discovered America 1492." Mm-hmm. Sailed the ocean blue, the Maria, the Pinta, and the Sin. It was not a, a beautiful story. It was not simple, and that wasn't really the case. And in fact, there was a whole lot of genocide. And in this is something that I imagine, just like with uh, the celebration of Thanksgiving and another, st- you know, uh, sort of uh, candified version of the actual facts of our history Mm -hmm. um, that is hurtful, I imagine, to Mm. indigenous people. Uh, Oh, absolutely. Please Um, please tell me. So that's what this day is all about, Indigenous Peoples Day, especially from um, Shinnecock and other indigenous communities' perspective, just the idea of um, relearning the truth of the history, um, reclaiming the history of this land, um, highlighting Native American um, both accomplishments and also current day and historic struggles. And so, like you said, there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of things that we were taught growing up that uh, turns out weren't true. And so I um, come to all these different things not with a mind of hatred or blaming. I come to it with an understanding that people were taught something um, as a child, and that's what you go through life with. So um, each year, at least for a day, we should try to commit ourselves to learning maybe picking up a book. Um, I always say, since it's such a um, large and vast history of indigenous people and it continues into the future, I always say start uh, local. Yeah. And so um, I really love uh, John Strong's um, We Are Still Here. Um, that's a really excellent book about uh, Shinnecock and Long Island Native history. There's also uh, Beverly Jensen's The uh, Shinnecock Indian Nation book that you can find here and there in town. <laughs> And then um, I actually just self-published a book called um, On This Site, Native Long Island, uh, second edition. And so these are just different, um, very specific books that um, the reason I love recommending local is that it's supporting your neighbor, but it's also showing right in your backyard there was something significant. There's a sacred landscape. There's a historic place as it relates to Native people. And that's something that you can uh, respect, you can engage with, you can observe and help protect. It's a beautiful thing, and it's a beautiful approach. I think one of the biggest issues I think we've been finding, no matter what you look, what what area of conversation you look at, and differing opinions and and whatnot, and and differing perspectives, is is people get get very upset. But the, you know, uh, if you reserve a little space 
just to approach things mm. calmly mm-hmm. and um you know with a, with an understanding that like you mentioned that this is uh miseducation mm-hmm. right and so it's like uh that's got to be tough also for the people that were miseducated mm, definitely because it, it, what you go however many years and now this is a whole switch up yeah maybe it takes people a minute it's very uh polarizing because yeah. no one um i think the common understanding now is no one wants to be called racist no one wants to be called um someone who stereotypes so um it's all about just coming to a common understanding um a common empathy and um willingness to be open-minded and so it's very hard when you have a something cemented in your mind from 50 years ago right and you try to change it uh, and people today. like to, people like i th- I think I learned in psychology, people want to be seen as being consistent. Mm-hmm. They want to be seen as being the same person or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it might be psychologically difficult mm-hmm. to uh, interrogate some of these, uh, you know, what what people mistake as bedrock. Oh, definitely of 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 either their their personhood or. or or knowledge itself. Yeah. I, I I imagine it's probably uncomfortable. But I, I just want to encourage folks uh to try. Yeah. Uh, and, uncomfortable is such a key word because yeah. so much of um what we push forward in indigenous history is uncomfortable. Oh in my terms goodness. Of, um like like you said, genocide, uh, land removal, forced assimilation, boarding schools. These aren't things that people willingly want to sit in a classroom um, either as children or as adults, uh, learning because it's contrary to our American pride, um, who we see ourselves as and our shared history. Right. And so these are all things. The that, principles of, of what the country is supposed to represent. Yeah, exactly. So there's that. And then the other end of the spectrum is um, we have that mindset of that's how things have always been. Like it's always been Columbus Day, but why aren't we willing to change or adapt or um, move towards social justice in that way of Becoming Indigenous Peoples Day. <laughs> I remember when it, I guess it was around five years ago I, I that I had come into this position. And I remember, you know, personally thinking and there was, um, you know, because you always see talking points politically. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the talking points was, oh, you're taking away um, something for Italian-Americans. I'm an Italian-American. Mm-hmm. And my thought was just like. This is not the guy that I want to be really celebrating. Mm -hmm. I feel like personally, like I don't claim this person. This is a this is a man who committed genocide horrifically in everywhere he went. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not who I want to be putting up on a, a flagpole and you know saying, oh, I'm so, you know, this is like, and and not that I want to hide it either. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that we should be learning. Mm-hmm. I think the most important class that I took in all of my years was an early American history course mm-hmm. that talked in detail about every um, nation that uh, settlers and, and whatnot, people's that they came across and exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. I cried several times mm. that semester, but I was so grateful to know what the heck actually happened to better understand what is happening today. Oh, absolutely. So um, well said because um even the minority of people who do know that we exist over at Shinnecock and have a little bit of uh, territory today, they um, label us. They um, have prejudice towards us because of not knowing that history. They always I'm think, so like, sorry. why are they um, so impoverished? Why don't they uplift themselves? Why don't they do this well, or that? And they don't know they the They obviously context. don't understand. And, I mean, let's just talk about – isn't it difficult, if not impossible, for someone to get a mortgage on a home? Oh yeah, so in the territory, can you explain that to me? Um, I'm still in my 30s, so I learned that You're... this uh, <laughs> past like this couple of years. <laughs> but unfortunately, because the land is held in common, 
um, we just hold um, allotments. Okay. But the uh, tribe uh, owns the entire property. And okay. so what usually happens with mortgages or loans for building houses is um, you kind of have that as an offset. So if you can't pay back the loan, the bank is able to take back that land and house. So because it's on the uh, Indian reservation land, that's not the case. So uh, therefore, we we aren't eligible for those same loans. So what usually happens is you build a foundation. You might cover that and live in it. Or you uh, build room by room, wall by wall, and continue from there until you have enough money to um, keep building. So what ends up happening is sometimes it's three generations in one house, four generations in one house. The house is in disrepair. And even if you do have a house, um, because we live in the um, so-called badlands, it's a uh, floodplain, basically, we're not able to get um, uh, insurance for the homes. And so even then... Oh my God, uh, it's like everywhere you turn. Yeah. So people wonder, like, why don't we have mansions or why why aren't we wealthy? Um, People also think we have casinos, which isn't the case, though. There's all this, all this uh, basic information that people need to learn and understand about us, and um, that's what I, I try to do as an artist sometimes. Oh, yeah, and and you've been doing incredible work mm-hmm. with and through Ma's House, mm-hmm. Bob Bipak Arts Center, mm-hmm. the first right here on the island? Well, um, definitely on the island, but um, nationwide, we're actually currently the only Native-led um, residency on an Indian wow. reservation. In so, the country, mm-hmm. oh snaps! <laughs> so. And in you, and you were able to figure out a way to preserve and improve your your own family's. Oh, absolutely! Home. So this was a house built in the sixties, was which isn't too old, but the um, actual structure was using uh, recycled materials from eighteen forty five. So there was that, and then Amazing. it was, um, of course, being next to the ocean, it kind of degrades with the ocean and the salt water, right. and then for a while it just sat without heat and um, um, weather conditioning. So it kind of uh, fell in disrepair. So finally, in twenty twenty, we raised the funds thanks to GoFundMe and other um, fundraising sources just to uh, basically make it livable again. So without that, a lot of homes just kind of fall in. And um, if you're in the know, you can actually drive through the territory and see a lot of those homes that are um, fallen in without that support. So not only is it livable, but you have been hosting incredible BIPOC artists from around the world, right? Oh, definitely. So we currently have a artist right now, Darlene Dolores, who's a uh, painter from the um, New York City. But we've had over 31 artists of color so far since August 2021. Um, we're also collaborating with other nonprofits here on the East End, other residencies, other art spaces. And so um, it is really wonderful to see that um, flourishing, that collaboration, and uh, basically the support for an Indigenous-led art organization to allow us to exist, uh, be proud of who we are. And when artists come and work at Ma's House, they are inspired by the land, the history, and current events. And so that kind of um, branches out when they go back home and they share that story and history. And we're certainly proud to be among those that have partnered with Ma's House. Now, speaking of artists' residencies, you mentioned the residency that you will be doing next month out in Montauk. You're going to be leading some workshops as well. Isn't that right, Jeremy? Oh, absolutely. So I'm a a digital photography um, artist, first and foremost. I do portraiture and landscape. When you mentioned that you used to do weddings, I was thinking, gosh, how lucky those people are to have had you as their wedding photographer. Oh, yeah. Some people just want you to, like, capture the day, and some people want artsy photos, and I was probably in the more artsy <laughs> realm, Yes, which not everyone loves. But um, when I'm in Montauk, it'll be November 5th to the 12th of um, 2023. I'll be in a cabin in the uh, Nature Conservancy um, land out in Montauk, and I'll be working on my on-the-site project, so... This time around, I'll finally have a um, uh, a drone I was able to acquire. I'll do some aerial photos of the landscape, and then um, some of those photos will be accompanied by local history. And so you'll be able to go on the um, nativelongisland.com website and check those out um, pretty soon after the residency. But um, for those listening who are on the East Ends, I'm always trying to find new um, books, resources, uh, ways that I can access local Native history whether that's um, having access to places, having access to um, archives, um, even personal collections, because there's a lot of families who have been here since the 17th century who have things that um, aren't publicly accessible, 
They might have uh, photos of being um, at powwow, either Shinnecox or the Montaukett powwow. And those are all um, such valuable and um, incredible resources that I love to include, love to engage with, and just have the um, personal opportunity to do so. <laughs> How was powwow, by the way? I missed out this year. Oh, well, it's always wonderful. It's always different every year. <laughs> so this past year was September 1st to the 4th. And I always tell people who go to come back next year. Um, we, as part of Ma's house, we had our first ever Shinnecock booth. Oh, so cool. That was really successful. So it's always uh, um, a wonderful gathering of nations. You just say hello to friends and family. I, saw, I remember seeing yeah. your mom last year. <laughs> oh, yeah. She has the uh, wonderful Landback Butter shirts and bags that always sell out. Um, they're always conversation starters. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, it's the Lando Lakes um, butter brand, but instead it says um, um, land, back. land back butter. Yeah. <laughs> I finally got one of my bags at the uh, Indigenous Fair at LTV uh, some months ago, and I bought my daughter a beautiful jean jacket that has the Shinnecock emblem on the back. Um, your mother is a wonderful person. Do you mind just touching on who she is as a person and how she has helped inform your personhood. Oh, absolutely. Um, so my mother, uh, her full name is uh, Denise Silva Dennis. So she retired um, a few years ago from the Southampton public school system. But once she um, goes through town, somehow children still recognize her and hug her and thank her for uh, her service. But um, ever since we started Ma's House, we were very fortunate and we received this um, Creative Through Build New York support. So she's back into work. <laughs> she's doing uh, weekly workshops at the house every Friday, 6 to oh, 8. Oh, fantastic. I didn't and, know that. Mm -hmm. So not only is she a um, a painter, she's also a beadwork artist. She does um, a lot of multidisciplinary craft. And so she passes on that knowledge to the public, the Shinnecock community, and so on. And so um, even before that involvement, she went to school for uh, studio art just like I did the unfortunate thing is um, during her generation, the people who were supposed to be her mentors um, told her that because she was a Native um, American, um, because she was a woman artist, that she wouldn't have a career or future. And so that's just one generation before me. That, isn't, it a, isn't it just like crazy? Yeah, absolutely. So that could have just been me if um, I was just born a couple of years earlier. Um, I think a lot of change in the last couple of years in terms of viability as being an artist and having people accept you. And so she ended up uh, transitioning to being a public school teacher and then a special ed teacher. But um, later in life, she returned to doing her personal work again, which is really wonderful to see. Can we talk about, uh, so just to return to the workshop going on, it sounds like 15 people will be able to join you. Uh, what, will you you'll be, what will you be doing? Um, well, actually, since uh, June 2021, we've been having the support. So all the materials are provided. Okay. It's open to the public, and it's anywhere between 5 to 12 people who join us every single week. Oh, wow. Uh, so it, it does fluctuate, though, because it's very hard to keep that <laughs> exact Friday time. But if you— um, Oh, so you're doing—it's more than one. Uh, sometimes it is. Um, if we have a resident artist, they do their own. And then my mom's uh, beadwork workshops are so popular that people want to do that despite <laughs> having a different one that week. Oh, so we're talking about Denise on Friday. Yeah, yeah so okay. usually hers is uh, 6 to 8 p.m. And then what about you out in Montauk? So um, that one I'll be doing collage. So that'll be a really wonderful, oh, cool. uh, fun activity. All right. So we're talking about like photo collage. So will you guys be taking photos and then collaging them um well what i'm going to have participants do in november okay. at the um, nature conservancy is bring a photo of nature and we're going to use um, different construction paper and magazines to recreate that um, image and usually what happens is um, a collage is such a easy to get into material and technique and yet the outcome of so it is fun. so amazing yes it's so much fun like you said <laughs> yeah oh collage is great mm -hmm. all right so and then and then have you been able to see the space? Have you gotten a drone in the air uh, out there? Can you tell me more about the site, uh, especially as it connects to uh, indigenous history? Oh, sure. So I haven't been there in person, okay. but virtually every um, water's edge is a site for Native American of course. Either, um, fishing site, a village site, so on. But Montauk is special because everyone knows um, Sachem Wyandanche. He was... Um, sort of the chief of Long Island's um, native tribes. Um, some have said 
In other cases, he was sort of the um, representation of the entire island, for better or worse. <laughs> and so um, there's just a, such a um, wealth of different sites and histories that I'm going to um, go out and use my drone to um, present those images and histories. So it is a lot of um, um, a, a change of perspective because since 2016, I've been on the ground. I've been doing traditional landscape photography on a tripod. But because Long Island is so flat, you have such a better perspective of context. You can see more. It's than, unbelievable. Oh, absolutely. It's such a beautiful place. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I always say because I, I used to say you haven't seen where we live until you've seen it from a single engine airplane. Mm. But now with drone technology, mm -hmm. you can get that same perspective without ever leaving the ground mm -hmm. yourself. Um, I want to just switch gears really fast. I know you're not Montauket, but you know it is Indigenous Peoples Day, and this is a um, very important time, I think, mm -hmm. as far as the Montauket is concerned. For those who maybe don't know what is going on for them or hopefully will be going on for them oh, sure. uh, in coming in the coming time. I can speak to that. Um, so uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Sandy Brewster Walker, she's been working with the Montauket Nation, um, sort of leading the effort to have state and then federal recognition for their people. And so currently there are Montauket people throughout the island. They don't have a land base like Shinnecock and the um, Uncachog people do have. So what they're trying to do is um, um, go through the Senate to um, finally have um, uh, Governor Hochul approve um, a state recognition for them, and that will lead to having a land base somewhere in, in Montauk. Is that a restoration, though, right? Because wasn't that designation taken from them at some point out here? Um, there actually was. It's a, a very um, difficult history there yeah. as well, because what is known as um, Indian Fields is also a state park out there currently. And um, that used to be the primary residence of the Montauki people. And I believe it was the 19th century where they were finally um, basically forcefully removed. They um, and told that they do not exist in, oh, a, yeah. in a courtroom <laughs> setting. So someone told me that story, and I was just oh, absolutely pierced. And so before that court case, um, they had they were pretty comfortable. They um, were finally told that um, with Arthur Benson, um, if they removed to uh, Freetown in East Hampton. They would have um, a steady stream of support, um, a revenue source for basically eternity. And, of course, that was never true. And when they did leave town... Just they, another uh, <laughs> another in a string of... Yeah, every um, Indian uh, treaty has been broken, so yeah. that one included. But when they left home, their houses were actually burned down, so they couldn't oh actually return. The uh, agreement that they signed was, of course, in the Benson household and was destroyed as well. And so, like you said, when they um, finally went to fight for their rights, they were basically told in the courtroom that the uh, Montauket tribe is extinct, despite having more than 40 people in the room standing there um, witnessing that. And so these type of injustices are um, rampant. I remember when um, Trump was in office, the Wampanoag people were basically stripped arbitrarily just because, like, maybe they he didn't like them or... Um, just with like a single stroke of a pen, you're able to do that as a president. Just unbelievable. My That's... uncle is Wampanoag and he, his brother was at the powwow this year. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I was extra bummed that I didn't come out because I wanted to meet him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's but why sorry. you have to come to Pow Wow. Yes, <laughs> I know. So you'll see everyone. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep going. I'm so sorry, Jeremy. But that's that's the uh, reason why going back to Indigenous Peoples Day, why we have yes. this holiday. Because it's so important. Yeah, we need allies. We need understanding. We need empathy. Without that, we're just destined to um, have people think that we're no longer here. There's nothing to fight for. We're just a distant memory. And in fact, um, what I've been experiencing the last couple of months is the mascot conversation. Yes. Um, so one of the um, unfortunate things is um, people reach out. They say that they went to high school and they had a very stereotypical Indian mascot. And why are they taking this away? Because it honors Native people, apparently. But really, um, if that's the only representation you have of Native people in your curriculum, <laughs> that's an embarrassment. So there's yeah. so many different ways to learn about Native history without stereotyping us, um, creating Amen. these caricatures. <laughs> oh, so, and so there's two things. Like One is uh, ho these holidays are opportunities mm. to learn. Mm -hmm. I'm okay day. I don't know. 
Abraham Lincoln's birthday. I don't know. Whatever, whatever holiday you're, you're talking about, they're opportunities. Mm. So, you know, I'm grateful for an opportunity to learn more about these things. And as far as the mascot conversation is concerned, um, if you are a person who feels, oh, we are honoring, well, have you talked to someone who is indigenous and asked how they feel? Mm -hmm. Do you feel, Jeremy, honored by, I mean, maybe your feelings are different, but how do you feel when you see uh when you see a mascot that saying like the chiefs or the, the the i guess the warriors is one that's they're fighting yeah they're, that, that one's a little bit more nuanced because all cultures have warriors but then when you look at the imagery so it's how usually... do you feel about this particular <laughs> so what are they they're saying that uh they they want to retain the name mm. and then i mean what are your thoughts about this um it is such a um nuanced t- topic because um you kind of get in the weeds of like terminology and um, what that really alludes to. Maybe they could, have, yeah. They maybe they could reimagine. Yeah, uh, most most teams are turning into um, completely different titles and also animal imagery, because usually um, back when it was even worse, you would just have this Native American next to this like bull or this whale or some other thing that's ima- um, totally imagined. <laughs> so that's the whole um, heart of the issue. So you're putting a Native American, which is imaginary, next to a bird that's a person imaginary together on the football field and saying that's the same thing. They're it's both, like talking um, to an Irish person about how do they really feel about leprechauns, yeah. for example. So it's just that um, imagery that kind of goes to the heart of um, uh, stereotypes and how we're trying to move beyond that, that we're a complex people. We're not just a monolithic people that can be simplified into this one image. And so um, going back to your question about being honored, um, the thing that is always um, ironic to me is like they call me and say like we're honoring you with this uh, mascot. And then when I say I'm in um, disdain of it, they say, um, well, they basically don't listen. <laughs> so when you honor someone, do you not listen? Do you not respect their opinion? Right. So that's <laughs> the irony It's just of it. lip service. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we're grateful to you for coming in educating us talking more about these issues what are other ways we i love that you gave uh some local books where folks can educate themselves we had what beverly jensen's book yep, uh, john um, strong yep, Sorry, beverly jensen's uh, shinnecock indian nation john strong's we are still here book and then my personal um on the site edition too which is um available online but like I said, um, please come out and visit Ma's house by appointment. We have a lot of displays on Shinnecock uh, maps. We have a communal library that has over 400 native books. Come to our annual Labor Day weekend powwow. If you have your calendar out now, mark your calendar and um, come join us. It's a wonderful gathering of nations of over 40,000 people who come. Where Ours is the largest on the East Coast. And it's just a great time to support uh, Shinnecock because each ticket sale goes to our um, payrolls, it fills in potholes, it keeps us uh, going as a nation. You can go to uh, nature.org to find out more about the Nature Conservancy and, and more information about Jeremy's workshop coming uh, out to the Andrew at the Andy Warhol Preserve out on the end and mazhouse.studio for more about Ma's House, uh, the BIPOC artist studio right here. Uh, and on on the territory, mm-hmm. the Shinnecock territory. I'm Gianna Volpe. That was Jeremy Dennis. This was the Monday meditation on Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, let's see. I'll play a little Coldplay. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to WLIWFM, news you can trust, music you love on 88.3 throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in Central and Western Suffolk County, streaming online at WLIW.org slash radio.
from the A Head Full of Dreams record 2015. I've got Sleepy Turtles and Another Autumn. But first, Oh No! Adventure from Dr. No's Ethiopium record of 2009. Thank you. 
Can I cut in for a second? I just want to let you guys know. If you were listening and you were like, I want to do nature collages with Jeremy Dennis. Well, you can. It's going to be taking place November 11th from 11 to 4. And you can email m.jimenez, that's J-I-M-E-N-E-Z, at T-N-C, standing for the Nature Conservancy, dot org, m.jimenez at tnc.org, to register for Nature Collages with Jeremy Dennis. On November 11th. Tons of secret tracks this morning. I'm actually going to fly across the adventure playlist and lead you into the NPR News break with Patrick Watson's uh, title track to his 2012 record. It's Adventures in Your Own Backyard. Thank you for doing so with me and Jeremy Dennis at the bottom of this hour. Uh, of course, big thanks to Daniela Kronmeyer, uh, Jack Evans, and Badir Away uh, for joining us during the first segment. Our underwriter, Jennifer Benton, and all of you listener supporters of WLIWFM. Oh 